Welcome to the Valley View Friends Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Thank you for joining us, and if you want to learn more about our church, look us up on Facebook or our website at valleyviewfriendschurch.org. Today's message title is Bless, and the text is from 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 6-13. through 13. Paul has shown tremendous concern for the Thessalonian church. He's been worried that in his absence they may be struggling. Today our text reveals Paul's celebration that the Thessalonians are thriving. We find how wonderful and important and life-giving it is to encourage and celebrate others, especially fellow Christians. Everyone needs recognition for his or her accomplishments, but few people make the need known quite as clearly as the little boy who said to his father, Let's play darts. I'll throw, and you say, Wonderful! If you've experienced such a moment, you know how powerful that kind of moment is. To be with a young person, to praise them for something they're doing well, and to see them comprehend and understand that praise, and that that praise lifts them up. It's like energy for them. For that moment, they are queen or king of the world. It's a moment that we don't want to have end. But as we all know, life rolls on, and for better or for worse, Many of us, and for many of us, the moments of encouragement are far fewer than the moments of discouragement and struggle. An encouraging word is powerful, and I can tell you that an encouraging word can far outweigh a discouraging one. William Arthur Ward says this, Flatter me, and I may not believe you. Criticize me, and I may not like you. Ignore me, and I may not forgive you. Encourage me, and I will not forget you. In a world full of disappointment and adversaries, the Christian is called to bless and encourage those around them. Resolve this day to bless and encourage others. Celebrate their victories. Shoulder their struggles. Church, we are together in this. We cannot afford to look out for only ourselves. We must encourage one another. So let's read the text in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 6-13. through 13. I want to challenge you to listen for Paul, his celebration of the good news of the Thessalonians, and how he turns that into a word of encouragement for them. Beginning in verse 6, But now that Timothy has come to us from you, and has brought us the good news of your faith and love, and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us, as we long to see you, for this reason, brothers, in all of our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you, for all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God, as we praise most, pray most earnestly night and day, that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, as we do for you so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Wow. Now, as I've mentioned several times in our series through 1 Thessalonians, Paul has been concerned for the Thessalonian church. He had to leave them before he planned to, and he wasn't sure that they were ready to stand on their own yet. 
After a while, Paul sent a trusted co-worker back to check on them, Timothy. And the text we read today is the resolution of Paul's concern. The Thessalonians, they're okay. In fact, they're thriving. Paul's fears are no longer needed. He had a reason to be concerned. The possibility of failure was very real, but now he has the truth, and so he celebrates. Paul's words are joyous, and they're barely contained on the page. He even goes so far as to say, he lives because the Thessalonians stand with the Lord. This passage is full of encouragement. Paul, Silas, and Timothy are encouraged by the success of the Thessalonians, and the Thessalonians are encouraged by the ministry work of Paul. There's quite a lot we can learn from 1 Thessalonians 3, 6-13 about encouraging and blessing one another. Let's talk about that idea of blessing first. I know that the word bless doesn't appear in our text today, but Paul and the Thessalonians are blessing each other. What does it mean to bless? When we read a verse like, let's say, Deuteronomy 28, verses 1-5, through 5, it's easy to think about fortune when we hear the word bless. And here's the text. It says, And if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all His commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you, and if you obey the, if you obey the voice of the Lord." Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the field, and blessed shall the fruit of your womb, uh, shall be the fruit of your womb, and the fruit of your ground, and the fruit of your cattle, the increase of your herds, and the young of your flock. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. It's easy to hear treasure, uh, abundance in that. And, and that's what people think of. Typically, we think of the word blessing and we think of fortune. And we say things like, well, I want to be blessed so that I have everything I want. But blessing is something different. When God blesses a person or a nation, he is giving them divine favor. And yes, that does come with some fortune. He may give them abundance, but at its core, a blessing, a blessing is a sign of relationship, of covenant. And what we, what we just read in Deuteronomy 28 was the result of relationship. God's not just saying, do what I want and I'll give you nice things. He's saying, we have a wonderful relationship, Israel. And if you truly honor the covenant and, and help this relationship to thrive, yes, abundance will be the natural result of a healthy relationship. A blessing is also an expression of love. It's an expression of approval of pleasure, you know, of I'm pleased with this. It's an expression of praise and gratitude. And, and we're the ones that usually do the expression of gratitude through blessing. The disciples did this after Jesus ascended into heaven. Actually, as the Gospel of Luke recounts, that there's all kinds of blessing, blessing happening as Jesus departed from the disciples. In Luke 24, verses 50 through 52, we read these words, and it says, Jesus, and he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually 
in the temple blessing God. So Jesus blesses the disciples, and the disciples bless God. Now, I don't think the disciples were able to give God some sort of treasure or wealth through that blessing, but they certainly were showing gratitude. And as much as Jesus' blessing to the disciples is a gift of favor, this blessing is also a sign of the bond, the covenant between the disciples and Jesus. They are tied together. The blessing grants privilege and responsibilities. The disciples are seeing the fulfillment of God's promises as God's people, but now they are to become a mission force for the kingdom. So do not just say, God bless. Don't just use those words as a goodbye or a well-wish to something. God bless. Take the blessing seriously. You are granted God's favor. You are granting God's favor on that person. You are saying that you are for them. You want the best for them. In our text today, Paul is describing the bond between he and the Thessalonians. He describes wanting God's favor for them. He expresses gratitude. He welcomes them as partners in the work of God. He may not use the word bless in our passage today, but he is blessing them. I think one of the best ways that we can bless a person is to encourage them. And encouragement is certainly showcased in our text today. We are to be, and I want to talk about encouragement today, we are encouragers by calling. One of the jobs of a Christian is to encourage others, especially fellow Christians. Paul is not only relieved at the news of the Thessalonians, that they're thriving, that they're being successful, but he offers encouragement to them by displaying his joy at the news. And so we're called to have that same sort of joy. We're called to be encouragers. There are several, a couple of scriptures I want to share with you that talk about how we are to be encouragers. Just in case you're wondering, am I to be an encourager? Yes, and the Bible says it. Hebrews 10, verses 24 through 25 says this, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. We're called to encourage. Ephesians 4.29 says this, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. We're to build each other up. Encourage one another. Philippians 2.4 says this, Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. That's encouragement. That's about blessing, too. And Romans 15, 2 says this, Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. We're to be encouragers. That's what all these verses are saying. So how are we to encourage one another? I want to give you a couple of, of things to think about, reasons or ways to encourage one another. And the first thing you can do is remind a person that you want to encourage that life is full of blessing. Discouragement does the opposite. Discouragement blinds us from the reality of blessing all around us. William Ward says this, Discouragement is dissatisfaction with the past, distaste for the present, and distrust for the future. It is ingratitude for the blessings of yesterday, indifference to the opportunities of today, and insecurity regarding the strength for tomorrow. It is unawareness of the presence of beauty, 
unconcern for the needs of our fellow man, and unbelief in the promises of old. It is impatience with time, immaturity of thought, and impoliteness to God. That's a lot packed into that statement there. Uh, But what I want to say is this. When you are discouraged, you become blind. You become uh, desensitized to the blessings that are around you. And I know some of you have lived very difficult lives, very hard lives. You have experienced abuse. You have experienced hardship. I understand that. But those hardships don't take away the blessing that is around you. Oftentimes those hardships, as, as visceral and awful as they are, they make us blind to what God is doing in spite of those hardships. So when we seek to encourage someone, we're not just telling them that this is really important. When we seek to encourage someone, we're not just telling them to to stop being sad. I think that's what a lot of people do. They say, well, I'm going to encourage so-and-so. And and we just set out with a goal of, I want you to not be sad. But that's not what encouragement is. It's not walking up to someone and and saying, you know, you shouldn't feel bad. It's not just walking up to someone and saying, you know, I'm going to make you smile. I'm going to tell you you got to smile instead of frown. We encourage someone when we remind them of the blessings of God. When we say, I know you see darkness. I know you see hurt and heartache. But do not forget what God has done. Now, this will sometimes require a little thought. When you want to encourage someone, perhaps you need to make a list of the good that you see in their life, of the things that they've done. Make a list of the promises of God that you see at work in their lives. Share with them a way that they have benefited you. For someone who is hurting and in darkness, one of the best ways you can encourage them is to look at them and say, hey, you may not realize this, but you did this for me, you said this to me, and it lifted my day, it changed my life. Tell someone what they have done for you as a way to encourage them. It reminds them of God's promises and blessing around them and that they can be a blessing too. In verse 6 of our text today, Paul encourages the Thessalonians by recounting the good news. Literally, he uses the same word we use for the gospel. He's saying that the news of the Thessalonians is a life, is life-giving to him It's as life-giving to him as the gospel itself. Paul then exclaims that this good news, this life-giving source, is the love and faith of the Thessalonians, that they, they have shown that, and it's tapped into his life, and it's lifted him up. And he says that part of that good news, as well as the, is the attitude and the gratitude that the Thessalonians have towards Paul. They think kindly of him, even though he's not been able to share their hardship in Thessalonica. He's had to be away from them. Let me tell you, gratitude is a great encouragement. So much of this world only asks the question, what have you done for me lately? It's truly refreshing when a person remembers the good that you've done in their past, Don't forget to remember what God has done in the past. So, if you want to encourage someone, remind a person that life is full of blessing. Another way to encourage someone is to relish the success of others. It is too easy to become jealous of others. That is why Paul is chased out of Thessalonica. Certain people, when they saw that he was planting churches, they were jealous of the work that he was doing. You can read about it in Acts chapter 17. Yes, the Christian can become jealous as well. We might say to ourselves, why does so-and-so, why does that guy over there catch all the breaks? They're not that holy. 
We might be jealous when someone else's child makes a choice to follow Jesus, but our own child continues to wander in their faith. That Maybe you're going, I, I don't know that I really do that, but it does happen. We see success in others' lives, and we hurt in our own, and we become jealous. We need to stop that and learn how to relish the success of others. When a brother or sister is thriving in Christ, we should all celebrate. It makes us all better instead of bitter. Here's a story, not necessarily about the Christian faith, but a good one about relishing someone else's success. 40,000 fans were on hand in the Oakland Stadium when Ricky Henderson tied Lou Brock's career stolen base record. According to USA Today, Lou, who had left baseball in 1979, had followed Henderson's career and was excited about his success. Realizing that Ricky would set a new record, Brock said, I'll be there. Do you think I'm going to miss it now? Ricky did in 12 years what it took me 19. He's amazing. The real success stories in life are with people who can rejoice in the success of others. What Lou Brock did in cheering on Ricky Henderson should be a way of life in the family of God. Few circumstances give us better opportunity to exhibit God's grace than when someone succeeds and surpasses us in an area of our own strength and reputation. Another way we can encourage someone else is to join with them in being a part of the same team, having a team attitude. And there's a couple of facets to what it means to have a team attitude that I want to mention today. You know, we're all on the same team. And when I read Paul writing to the Thessalonians, I get no sense that Paul sees himself in a different light from the Thessalonians. They may be brand new Christians, but he sees them as hugely important to the success of the gospel. They are as integral of a part to the mission of Christ as Paul is. So what does it mean to have a team attitude in the church? Well, it's this. It's that every person has a part to play and that we realize this and we encourage everybody to play their part in the kingdom. You may feel like you have tremendous ability to serve the kingdom. You may feel like you have only a little bit of ability, but everyone's ability is critical to the kingdom. An elderly widow, restricted in her activities, was eager to serve Christ. After praying about this, she realized that she could bring blessing to others by playing the piano. The next day, she placed this small ad in the Oakland Tribune. A pianist will play hymns by phone daily for those who are sick and despondent. The service is free. The notice included the number to dial. When people called, she would ask, what hymn would you like to hear? Within a few months, her playing had brought cheer to several hundred people. Many of them freely poured out their hearts to her, and she was able to help them and encourage them. Each and every person in the church has a critical job to do. No ability is too small, no task is too menial, no job seems too silly to do. Are you encouraging those around you as a worker in the kingdom? Are, are, you, are you looking at the person next to you and saying, you know what, I know that you're a worker in the kingdom, and I see that you have this talent, and this talent, and this ability, and this passion. Are you encouraging your neighbor, or are you just sitting there waiting for someone to tell you what to do? We're all in this together. We've got to encourage one another as teammates in the faith. So yeah, everybody has a part to play. But we also need to understand, and we kind of talked about this already, we, we relish each other's success, but we also need to understand that our neighbor's success is our success. 
Paul links his success with the Thessalonian success. Verse 7 speaks of this. Paul declares that his distress is alleviated and comfort by the Thessalonian success. They're successful in another part of the world, many miles away, and yet their success brings him blessing. It brought him a lift. And Paul takes it a step further in verse 8. Perhaps you heard this verse or you read it today with me, and you thought, well, that's kind of an odd verse how that's phrased. And it says, for now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. What does Paul mean here? Paul is linking his own spiritual vibrancy and his life to the spiritual vibrancy and life of the Thessalonians. He's willing to say that if they're thriving, he's alive. And I think he's willing to say the opposite. If they're struggling, then he's without life. They're going to live and die together is what he's saying. We're going to rise and fall together. Their success is his success, and his success is their success. This is a tight view of teamwork. It is necessary to have this perspective. When others succeed, I succeed, and when they fail, I fail. It is necessary when we're facing the hard trials of this world. One man who was ousted from his profession by an indiscretion, he took work as a HOD, H-O-D, carrier, um, simply, he did this just to put bread on the table. He's like, I got to pay bills. I got to get food. And if you don't know what a hod carrier is, because I didn't know what it was, it's a person who carries bricks, carries uh, masonry work. They often would have a pole, a uh, stick that they would lean against their shoulder. And on the top of that pole, above their head, would be this sort of half wooden box. You could put like 20 or 30 bricks or 15 or so bricks in. And they would carry that on their shoulder to the place in construction that needed the bricks. Okay, so he was took a job, lost his job, and took a job as a hod carrier. Okay, he was suddenly plunged into a drastically different world. Instead of going to an office each day, he was hauling loads of concrete block up to the fifth level of a construction site. Gone was the piped-in music in the corridors, and now he had to endure blaring transistors, profanity shot through the air, especially from the foreman whose primary tactics were whining and intimidation and hurling coarse insults at his workers. Near the end of the third week, the new employee felt that he could take no more. I'll work till break time this morning, he told himself, and then that's it. I'm going home. He'd already been the butt of more than one joke when his lack of experience caused him to do something foolish. The stories were retold constantly thereafter. I just can't handle any more of this. A while later, he decided to finish out the morning and then leave at lunchtime. Shortly before noon, the foreman came around with paychecks, and as he handed the man his envelope, he made his first civil comment to him in three weeks. Hey, there's a woman working in the front office who knows you. She says she takes care of your kids sometimes. Who? He named the woman, who sometimes helped, in the nursery of the church where the man and his family worshipped. The foreman then went out, went on with his rounds. Then the man, the hod carrier, opened his envelope, and he found along with his check a handwritten note from the payroll clerk. When one part of the body of Christ suffers, we all suffer with it. I just wanted you to know that I'm praying for you these days. He stared at the note, astonished at God's timing. He hadn't even known the woman who, who worked. He hadn't even known the woman worked for this company, and here in his lowest hour, she had given him the courage to go on to push another wheelbarrow of mortar up the ramp. Mm. Yeah, 
our success, their success, each other's success is your own. When a one body, part of the body of Christ succeeds, we all succeed. And when one part is hurting, we all hurt. So let's encourage one another. We are better for it. One last bit about how to encourage others. Be gracious, but willing to let God do something you hadn't planned on. Don't discount yourself. The little bit you can do can transform a person's life. There's a wonderful story about Jimmy Durante, one of the great entertainers a couple generations ago. He was asked to be part of a show of World War, four World War II veterans. He told them that his schedule was very busy and he could afford only a few minutes, but if they wouldn't but if they wouldn't mind his doing one short monologue and immediately leaving for his next appointment, he would come. Of course, the show's director agreed happily. But when Jimmy got on stage, something interesting happened. He went through the short monologue and then he stayed. The applause grew louder and louder and he kept staying. Pretty soon he'd been on 15, 20, and then 30 minutes. Finally, he took a last bow and left the stage. Backstage, someone stopped him and said, I thought you had to go after a few minutes. What happened? And Jimmy answered, I did have to go, but I can show you the reason I stayed. You can see it for yourself if you look down on the front row. And in the front row were two men, each of whom had lost an arm in the war. One had lost his right arm, and the other had lost his left. Together they were able to clap. And that's exactly what they were doing, loudly and cheerfully. Don't discount what you can do to bless others, even if you feel like you are unable to bless others. So what we have read today in 1 Thessalonians 3 is a moment of celebration, gratitude, and encouragement. Paul is rejoicing in the good news of the Thessalonian success. He does not just pocket the moment away, he turns it into an opportunity to bless the Thessalonians. And he says something I would imagine like this, Thessalonians, you have been struggling, but you remain true to Christ. You don't blame me for the hardship you're in. These rep this report brings me from the verge of death to life. Praise God. I can't wait to see you. I want to make sure that you have all you need, and I'm praying for you even now. It's, an ama it's amazing what a kind word can do. John Trent shares this story. Mary had grown up knowing that she was different from other kids, and she hated it. She was born with a cleft palate and had to bear the jokes and stares of cruel children who teased her nonstop about her misshaped lip, her crooked nose, and her garbled speech. With all the teasing, Mary grew up hating the fact that she was different. She was convinced that no one outside of her family could ever love her until she entered Mrs. Leonard's class. Mrs. Leonard had a warm smile, a round face, and shiny brown hair. While everyone in the class liked her, Mary came to love Mrs. Leonard. In the 1950s, it was common for teachers to give children an annual hearing test. However, in Mary's case, in addition to her cleft palate, she was barely able to hear out of one ear. Determined not to let the other children have another difference to point out, she would cheat on the test each year. The whisper test was given by having a child walk to the classroom door, turn sideways, and close one ear with a finger, and then repeat something which the teacher whispered. Mary turned her bad ear towards her teacher and pretended to cover her good ear. She knew that teachers would often say things like, The sky is blue, or What color are your shoes? But not on that day. Surely, God put seven words in Mrs. Leonard's mouth that changed Mary's life forever. When the whisper came, Mary heard the words, I wish you were my 
little girl. You better believe those words changed her life. John Trent continues in his writing, encouraging fathers, but especially par- fathers especially, but parents as well, to be deliberate in speaking an encouraging word to their children. You may be proud of them, but have you told them? He offers a few simple suggestions of what to say. Because sometimes it's hard to know what to say in the moment. We don't plan it. And it's just a simple word makes all the difference. And he gives a list. You could say, I'm proud of you. Way to go. Magnificent. I knew you could do it. What a good helper. You're very special to me. I trust you. What a treasure. Hooray for you. Beautiful work. You're a real trooper. Well done. That is so creative. You make my day. You're a joy. You figured it out. I love you. You sure tried hard. I've got to hand it to you. I couldn't be prouder of you. A simple word can go a long way. You and I are called to bless and encourage one another. This does not always come naturally. We have to be deliberate about it. Resolve today to encourage your neighbors, especially your brothers and sisters in Christ, that blessing and encouragement might be what is needed to transform that person's life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us today to take seriously your blessing and what it means to bless each other. Help us to encourage each other, not just in trite ways, but in genuine concern and care for one another. Lord, I pray that you would show each of us someone this week who needs encouragement and that it would transform their lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Go with Jesus.